Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rounding the Earth. My name is Liam Sturgis, and I am very excited today because we are introducing a new series, um, a new theme of discussion. Uh, we have a number of really interesting weekly shows here we do at Rounding the Earth. Um, we have our uh, weekly Tuesday roundtable discussions. We have our RTE discussions that Matthew Crawford does one-on-one -on -one with a variety of guests. We have our weekly local supporters exclusives, and we have our Friday rounding the news shows. Now, what's wound up happening is um, I've had a, a lot of very positive influences on me in the realm of research and in the realm of connecting the dots, so to speak, but more than anything, in the realm of learning and understanding the people, the organizations uh, that uh, make up our society, essentially, for better and for worse. And uh, having been positively influenced, for example, by Mark Kulag, Housatonic Live, uh, by people like JJ Cooey, and people like our guest today, um, I thought it would be really valuable to set up a specific space to hold space for discussions a little more focused on the, the research side of things. And uh, so that's what I've uh, decided to do here is start a new series called the Campfire Sessions, which is in reference to our Campfire Wiki, which I'm going to pull up and show for those who have not yet had the opportunity to go and explore it. And as usual, I have so many tabs open, it's going to take me a long time to actually find it. And here it is. This is our Campfire Wiki. For those who are not familiar with it, you can go at any time, campfire.wiki. Um, and it is a repository primarily for information, for research, uh, and resources related to the COVID-19 uh, era, uh, event, plandemonium, whatever you want to call it. But of course, as most people are starting to understand the people and organizations and movements and ideologies behind a lot of the COVID response have ties to a lot of other really interesting areas of life. And that leads us into, well, our topic of discussion for today. So what I'd like to do is introduce uh, a guest who uh, members of the Rounding the Earth community should now be rather familiar with, uh, and uh, someone who has done a tremendous amount of uh, of research and good community development work into understanding uh, how grassroots movements and earnest people with genuine causes can be perhaps manipulated, influenced, or otherwise uh, uh, intercepted. Uh, so please allow me to introduce one of my favorite people in the world, Kristen Elizabeth. How are you, Kristen? Uh, it's hard not to be uh, excellent after that nice introduction. Nice to see you, Liam. It's really nice to see you as well, Kristen. Um, you have now become, you're, you're rapidly becoming a, a repeat guest on the show and in a variety of different contexts. Um, I want to just really quickly summarize what you've brought to us already. I'm going to share my screen again. Um, and, and I want to also say this. Um, I can be very, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this. And there can be scripts and there can be all this planning. And that's great. Part of me wants this show to be a little more relaxed. <laughs> um, is is that something that you feel would be appropriate? Sure, that sounds great. Excellent. 
So with that said, if it takes me a minute to pull up my tabs, I hope everybody will forgive me. So let's do this share screen opera tab. Um, this report. Uh, so first things first, this is what I'll, I'll, I'll put the most emphasis on because this is how you came to uh, to my attention first and then to the attention of the Rounding the Earth audience. You were the author of the Themis Report, Anatomy of Infiltration in the Grassroots Health Freedom Movement. Now, can you just give a very brief overview of what the Themis Report was and how then it may relate to uh, other areas than just specifically the health freedom movement? Sure. So this was the first operation, I'll call it, that I discovered and then doc researched and documented and with uh, some support from other people, put this report together primarily uh, as a tool for other activists and organizers to be able to identify certain tactics or um, patterns that were taking place in the organizing communities across the country at the time, most specifically worldwide demonstration and uh, you know the anti-lockdown rallies and medical freedom uh, rallies that were being organized. So, so that's what it is. It's a, it's a documentation of one operation that was used as an example to present to people like beware of these patterns. And I think that's the key part, because there are specific individuals named in the report, and that's good and that's fine. But what you what you just said, the pointing out of larger patterns of larger techniques, which can maybe be identified in other movements or, you know, in the behavior of other individuals. Um, so I then to 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 bring us up to speed, you then launched this uh, fantastic Substack beyond the maze where you have talked about, um, uh, well, a, a, a bunch of really interesting things. Um, there's our our baleful Miss Benita, <clears throat> who is mentioned in uh, the Themis report um, and then uh, also covering the uh, the U.S. convoy movement, your wonderful interview with Brian Braze. And I recommend people if you haven't listen to uh, not just the summary or the highlight video, which itself is wonderful, but listen to the whole, I think, two hour podcast version, and you'll get a lot of really human, really interesting insight uh, into what Brian went through and the larger situation there. So let's take the U.S. convoy movement, put it up in the corner as well as yet another one of these um, events, movements, organizations, so on. You also covered the wonderful film. Uh, well, not wonderful film. <laughs> the wonderful. You wonderfully covered the tremendously interesting and concerning film White Noise and its connection or apparent similarity to real life events in East Palestine. Um, so I, I'm not sure if that would be something else to put in a you know on a shelf as another event type thing related to this. But at a minimum, it's tremendously interesting and demonstrative of your good work. Finally, you've done tremendous work on the America's Frontline Doctors um, situation. Uh, and that is what you and um, uh, uh, Renee, that's her, or no, Renette, sorry, uh, mm -hmm. came on to discuss with Matthew uh, 
about just over a week ago now. Um, so that's the summary. That's catching us up, uh, putting some context into what we're going to talk about today, which is this tremendous article that you put out called Stoking White Nationalism. So, Kristen, I'd love it if you introduced us to this article in whatever way you think is appropriate, the historical leading up to it, or simply the premise of the article itself, whatever you think is best. What is this? Wow. Yeah, this is a doozy. Um, well, I was introduced to the theme specifically because uh, the town of Chatham, New York, which is where the article begins and ends, is in my county. And um, there were these bizarre uh, things taking place around where I live that the media was picking up on and claiming represented an amplification of, uh, you know, racist white supremacist groups in the area and specifically ones that, you know, by their name um, would cause a media frenzy like Patriot Front and not just stickers, but then there were actually a couple like very bizarre little demonstrations or there was one demonstration and a couple uh, banner drops, which I can go into more um, later, just the tactics of these groups. But so this, this event, the photo um, that you have up is from this in-person event that happened in the town of Chatham. And uh, it, was, <laughs> it was very bizarre and very suspicious to me. Uh, I've lived in this county pretty much my entire life. I was born here and um, it felt totally out of place. And it did to a, a lot of other locals. And the really interesting thing about it was the banner itself, because you can see it says White Lives Matter, New York, and then almost in exactly the same size font below it is a link to a Telegram channel. And that's already suspicious because what they're doing is they're trying to get you into this Telegram channel, okay? There's no other reason. And apparently I wasn't there, but apparently they kind of uh, rolled up in a vehicle, barreled out of the vehicle. You can't really tell, um, but the one guy in the middle has got this like kind of classic skull mask. They're mm. all, you know, they're, um, yeah, just wearing like almost militarized looking a little bit and they unfurl this banner and they stand there for just a couple minutes and documentation is taken. So it looks like it's staged for the purposes of creating media content, right? And then <clears throat> I went into the Telegram channel and that's where this to check it out because I already was doing research primarily in Telegram. So I was like, oh, this is a gold mine and went in there. And that's what led me down this rabbit hole. So to be clear, it wasn't coming 
through the lens of um, exploring the issue around racial tensions in our country um, and the ways that those can be productive and unproductive um, to further, you know, the government's agenda. It was actually because I primarily do my research through the lens of propaganda on social media. And I was able to explore what this group in particular was up to because those are the tools I already use. And the, and you already use them because that's exactly what you were uh, you were looking at uh, through for the Themis report and for other related investigations. Um, it was it was the same kind of language and same kind of uh, almost as if it was the same. It could be the same people running this thing, cutting yeah. right to it, right? Yeah, um, it's there, it's. Go ahead. Oh, there's a picture in particular I'm trying to find. Maybe I've already skipped past it on this article, but where it, it shows side by side the um, taking or uh, Operation Take Back America. And it's further down. It's further down. Okay. Yeah. So while I find it, could you elaborate on on that, uh, on, on how it's it's like the same thing you were already looking at and boom, here it is in another context? Sure. I mean, maybe maybe I should write like Themis Report 2.0 because there's some uh, there's some additional um, signs of a problem group that I've identified that could be articulated for people. One, and it's in this article, is the way that the group is structured. And whenever you see on Telegram uh, a situation where a supposed movement has a national channel, a main national channel, and then a subgroup for every single state, every single state in the country, likely additionally, groups for other countries. There's, I mean, I have yet to see that form and uh, see any indication at all that it's actually organic. So if you go back to the beginning, which you can do on Telegram pretty easily, if you, I'll just quickly mention this for anyone who wants to learn this research trick. If you go to search on Telegram, it gives you the option to search people, a query or a calendar. And if you click on the calendar, you can just literally flip back four years and it's going to automatically bring you to the date that that group was formed. And what you want to do is you want to go back to see when the group was formed and look at the first three or four posts in the group. Because in the case of White Lives Matter, when I did that, what I saw was that there was like a video all in, in a matter of a few days there was a video of something and then there was like an announcement from whomever created this group that they were looking for trustworthy admins for different states. And once they had them and had them vetted, they would open groups in other states. But then like two days later, boom, you just have this list of links. I think it's 45 altogether that was produced, one for every state in the nation and then like a bunch yeah there it is a bunch of countries around the world so there's no way there's just no logical way that this resulted from something organic when 
within a handful of days, they have a structure set up across the country and the world. It's not possible. And so there's there. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean well, to I was just gonna say this is classic. The fake worldwide uh, demonstration group worldwide USA had this form. Carolina Bonita's group operation take back America has this form. Um, there's a number of other ones. And so the only way this could possibly result from something organic is over time. Yeah. Well, and so, so point of clarification, does the original worldwide demonstration group have this format? Um, they, um, that's a good question. I don't think that they have a list of links that's packaged like this. Um, I would have to like go back and verify that because a big part of what the original worldwide demonstration did was promote the various groups from around the world. But I can tell you from working on the national and international level with those people, the intensive amount of vetting that goes on and internal conversation and everything else, that's totally not present. Um, yeah, so it did grow over time. You know, countries were added and um, over time, the, the list, if there even is a list, grew. Yeah. Because one might say, well, you look at this and, well, this is the intended result. If you have a movement of any kind, you want to be able to have, uh, as you say, grassroots uh, representation and local leaders. Like this is the kind of thing Matthew talks about, for example. Matthew Crawford, the decentralized right. movement of leaders yeah. within different regions. So it's not to say that the premise of having something like this would be an ideal way in theory of of managing uh, a large movement. However, the, it's impossible for this to have happened virtually overnight within the span of a couple of days. Is that is that what you're saying? Like, it's yeah. simply not possible. Yes, that is what I'm saying. It is simply not possible to have absolutely every state. That's complete nonsense. Like, how did they find an individual and vet them who who wanted to admin uh, a White Lives Matter group? in absolutely every state across Alaska, Vermont, yeah. Hawaii. I mean, it's just utter nonsense within five days. And, and, and Albania, Aus Austria, yeah, Bosnia. Belgium. I mean, so, but then there's the thing of saying, well, so Kristen, you're, you're saying there's not white supremacy groups in all these states and all these countries, or there's not perhaps a, a spectrum of racial, as you say, you know, racial tension that, could be useful or not for government actors. But what about the earnest race relations issues? You know, whether or not they uh, evolve or elevate into nationalism or supremacy type movements. There are genuine issues of, of race, you know, in culture. And uh, as you go place to place, they're, they're slightly different, but surely they are there, yes? Well, I mean, I think that's probably a better question to kind of move toward uh, at the end of this conversation, sure. because I think it's important just to make the distinction between that important question and the fact that what I'm trying to do in this article is point out that through the way these groups are structured and the propaganda, um, 
there's a question around their authenticity. And those are two separate questions because then you have to also ask like, well, what's the agenda, right? And that's related yeah. to the question that you're asking. Fantastic. I love it. Okay. So, um, so to clarify, we've been talking about so far one specific, uh, apparent, uh, group, uh, a parent organization called white lives matter. Now I, I just want a, a, a point of clarification again, before we kind of expand the scope a little bit. Um, cause I, as I finished reading the article, um, and was reviewing, I was going in to try to find, uh, uh, further information on white lives matter. And it, looked to me as though there was no formal organization for example black lives matter is it's a slogan it's a broad movement but it is also a 501c whatever nonprofit that accepts funds and you know apparently has done some questionable things with it but at least there is a legitimate organization at the center of it or not legitimate that's not what i mean but a formal organization Am I right, or could you expand on if White Lives Matter is that, or is this something even more uh, fluid? Um, it's not robust, and it's not well-organized, and it's not large, and I know of no formal organization. It's uh, It appears to be a very small handful of individuals um, in especially a handful of states across mm. the country. So even though there's a White Lives Matter Vermont, for example, I'm just going to assume, although I don't know that I've been in that specific group, that if you go there, what you'll see in the feed is simply content that's been forwarded from the states that actually do have activity. Mm. Uh, and the majority of the states across the country, I don't think do. So the Groups have been set up in the hopes that some activity will materialize. Um, and so there are certain states that that have activity, but even within those states, it's like a handful of people and it's the same content of like, it's a lot of really short video clips of, of just hands putting stickers on things, White Lives Matter stickers on things and stuff like that. These really short clips, posts with some pictures, um, different media content, but that's repeatedly put into the feed. So they just uh, repurpose the same media to give the illusion, in my opinion, of a lot more activity than there actually is. So I don't think that it's... Uh, catching on really very well at all, which is another pattern with these operations is that they actually don't tend to do well. Which is probably a good sign. Yeah. It's probably a good sign. And I don't want to impose my opinions on anybody. I would say it, to me, it's a good sign if, if sort of pseudo militaristic white nationalist or any kind of nationalist organization is, uh, is uh, taken off. Although even that statement is, is nuanced, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> I, I want to allow you to flow through this in the way that you think is most natural. Um, it seems to me uh, it, it's it's worthwhile establishing we're talking about white lives matter. But as we go through and as you start to look in, uh, you start to see connections to other 
organizations with similar stated intentions, but that aren't clearly related at first? Is that, is that the case or what's the most important thing to look at uh, there as we expand the scope out? Sure. I guess I would just like to mention a couple other notable elements of the White Lives Matter network of telegram groups um, before moving on. Yeah. Because I think it's really important. And one is uh, I am of the very, very firm opinion that the main administrators of this network of groups do not speak English as a primary language, which is also uh, a pattern. I've talked about that in relationship to other things on this program already. Um, so, and with the, we saw that a lot with the convoy. So, you know, you can get a sense for that with like spam bots and bot accounts. Like it's not that hard to familiarize yourself with someone who's using really busted Eng English. And, um, it has improved over the year and a half or so I've been monitoring these groups, but, um, that's just worth noting because there is, uh, also a pattern of, um, the tech side of an operation being run outside of the country, but involving operatives within the country. And that's important. Do, do you so, know where is there, is there a location that you can trace the, the core operation to? No, mm -hmm. I have, uh, my, my various suspicions. I mean, in the case of like Carolina Bonita's takeover of McCullough's group, that led back to an account in Ukrainian. And uh, I've seen that a few times. I've seen Russia too. Yeah. And I had uh, someone who's a language specialist tell me grammatically they thought in the case of the White Lives Matter admin, main admin, that it was German because of the placement of the verbs and the nouns. So I do not know. Um, but I do believe that they are not at home speaking English. Um, Which is, is ironic. Again, it's, it's tremendously ironic. Right. May I read for those um, listening? Can I just read this paragraph at the top to maybe demonstrate the proficiency in the English language? Sure. So this says, the greatest possession we have in this world is our people. And for these people, for the sake of white people, we must struggle and we must fight. We must never slacken, never tire, never lose courage, and never lose faith. We are here to stay. These are our homes. To get involved in organizing, contact at WLM Contact Bot. You know, that one, there's one that's even more egregious, I found. And you elaborate on, they use the word our folk. Mm -hmm. Folk. Yeah. White folk. Yeah, that was one of the, that was one of the things that actually tipped off some of the locals because there was this uh, action, if you want to call it that, where uh, White Lives Matter activists, if you want to call them that, drove through the town of Chatham uh, in a vehicle throwing baggies, Ziploc baggies with flyers, so with propaganda in them and with beans to weight them down. And they just chucked them out the window in a drive-by and they landed on people's lawns. And so, of course, it was in the news and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they used the our folk term. And that was actually specifically mentioned to me by locals as like, 
so, so bizarre it led to suspicion. Mm. Um, yeah, so the the example of the word salad that's in the article is kind of a better example of the uh, very bizarre grammar sometimes that's in the language. But the you know my greatest challenge in what I do is um, or it's the most challenging thing for me personally is to translate the like whole experience that I'll take in, in these channels over time into something that's comprehensible to people um, in the form of an article or a report. So it's like, I've seen, you know, so many examples of this bizarre language over time. I kind of develop a sense for the character of the person um, but then I really can only extract one example. And so, yeah, that's, um, that's important. This one here, let's read this one. Can I read this one? I yeah, love this, this one. This screenshot down here? Yeah. Yep. Go for it. Um, it says next each and every one of you who reads this post on telegram and beyond must ask themselves Am I living my life according to what I think it is right? Can I proudly say that I was able to break free from fear and slave morality and went against the norm, against the system? Who wanted me dead? Am I making my ancestors proud? Am I a coward or a hero? So there's just a number of, um, yeah, shifting also um, subjects, right? from me to you, to them, to our, um, anyways. And, but that kind of leads into another important element, which is the, am I a coward or a hero? Yeah. So that theme of really like baiting and shaming people is extremely intense in these groups. I give a list of examples, um, and that's amplified over time. They're like, you know, <laughs> outrageous um, shaming of people trying to get them to go do something. And it's not just that it like might radicalize your mind. It's just terribly fucking mean. <laughs> like, are yes. you a patriot? Do you care about your people? Um, your children are going to die. You know, there's a genocide taking place. Like, get off the couch. Stop being a keyboard warrior all the time. Every post basically has this. And then you have this inaction is racial treason. You're treasonous if you don't go do something, yeah. you know, like by sitting there and simply being in this group, you're uh, against the good guys. You know, if you want to say it that way uh, and you're you're you've now joined the bad guys. And you know what I'm not seeing here is a lot of nuanced explanation of what the issues actually are. What are they pushing back against? You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, well, maybe they have issues with uh, with immigration policy. But, you know. I hear people when they when they have issues with immigration policy, they say that. A and it's not just, you know, anybody who's not white isn't welcome here. I, I have I don't think I, I haven't really heard anybody articulate that particular stance. But what it seems to be like the, the implication here 
you know, the the white genocide or the white um, like the dilution of the white population. Um, it, uh, well, in fact, these are the I just brought these as a couple of books that I've purchased and have been reading on the topic of, you know, the alt right and and white ethno state type stuff. And it's it's it, there there are some actual um, identified positions that people have. Some of them are, are better articulated than others, but none of them are necessarily white nationalist. But the impression one gets from reading this is that it would be something like immigration policy that someone has an issue with. My point is, those are things that one could learn about, be educated about. And if you're engaged in activism, you would think the first step would be to, to genuinely um, inform and educate people. And I feel like they say that's what they're doing in here. But I've learned nothing about their policy positions. I've learned nothing about, you know, what does it mean to take action? Uh, like this is, it's, it's, we were in a different context talking about uh, a way a person can talk where it sounds like they're saying something and it sounds like there's something important or meaningful in there. And then it, you can't really identify what it is. And it seems to me that in this case, the only thing that we're getting is do something, get agitated, but with no particular direction other than get agitated at someone with a different skin color than you. Am I reading this right? Well, so there are two, I'm going to just answer that one question with two answers. So there's the question of um, what does the action look like that they're asking for? And the other is what are they doing in the groups besides just trying to agitate people? And so starting with the latter, it's uh, the fact that I didn't include um, in my article anything about the content that they, well, I think I mention it so they, they will put, um, you know, statistics on race, like black okay. crime versus white crime. They'll put occasionally an article um, or a media piece about a, um, you know, a, a white European that was raped or murdered by an immigrant. Um, and then they will also link to uh, articles that are really, that are authentically disturbing. For example, an opinion piece about um, how white people should stop having babies, uh, otherwise they're white supremacists. This stuff that's so totally beyond the pale that makes the case uh, that there is an agenda going on, right, to uh, genocide white people. And, but the point I think to make here that's really important is this is a curated space. Yes. It's um, it's only telling you one side of the story. And, and I think that that's by design and you have myriad curated spaces cultivating specific paradigms, whether or not there's an agenda to genocide white people, I can't say, right? But I can say that the way that the information is used in this space is manipulative. That I can say. So there's like the truth and then there's the um, way in which it's being used. Um, and so, the, yeah, but they do. They do have at this point, they have like what they call White Lives Matter watching. And there's like a few documentaries and I've never watched any of them. But I think that they like tell the truth about World War II and stuff like that. 
and then uh, quote unquote, and then um, oh, I see. they have uh, White Lives Matter reading, which involves like different articles and different manuals that interestingly also come out of Eastern Europe. So they're, um, they're basically, they're called legionnaire manuals and it's, The one that I linked to in my articles from Romania, and um, it's basically a map for uh, training a entire society from the ground up in every possible way, children, women, men, through universities, through uh, paramilitary groups, through town meetings, they call them nests, the different groups to cultivate a nationalist movement. So they do have content like that in the channels as well. And then the action that they want to um, get you to engage in, and also just as a side note, every, every single post in these groups also includes a push to reach out to this White Lives Matter bot to get vetted. So that is the ultimate goal is to get you into these groups because you encounter the link like on the banner. And then once you're in the group, you're like, yeah, this is rad. I want to join what these people are doing and start stickering my neighborhood. And so you then like would contact the um, the bot and go through a process of get, getting vetted apparently. Now, the activity that they call activism um, in this group, and then this can also move us into the other groups that are associated with White Lives Matter, is really specific. And it's stickering, it's banner drops, uh, it, it's rallies, and in the case of the different groups, they look a little bit differently. But the stickers, the banner drops, and then also graffiti, which is interesting. I actually used to be a graffiti artist. And oh, cool. so I can uh, I can kind of analyze their graffiti a little bit too. Um, and that's just odd to me. So there's White Lives Matter, and then there's crossover between White Lives Matter and Patriot Front, which most people at this point know about because... Uh, the media just absolutely loves Patriot Front. And and then there's uh, Robert Paul Rundo's group, Rise Above Movement, mm -hmm. which we can go into. But those three groups have online a ton of coordinated collaboration um, in terms of the media. In fact, it's it's public information that media teams were shared between Patriot Front and Rise Above Movement. And if you go into their various social media, you see cross-promotion all the time. Um, in fact, you even see content from one group repurposed and put into a different group <laughs> sometimes. So there's co-management taking place. There's really just no other explanation for that. And they openly collaborate. So in my article, I have photographs of uh, White Lives Matter and Rise Above Movement members um, 
participating collaboratively in rallies, or they, all three groups put together this big uh, white nationalist boxing tournament called Birth of a New Frontier, which is really fascinating. And it was a coming together of like all, all these different kinds of nationalist groups, including some which may be legitimate. I don't really know. Okay. Um, okay. So then uh, just, just uh, within, I was looking at this for clarification a bit earlier, you've got subgroups within, so you've got will to rise and then another one. And they, if I'm not mistaken, these are like a record label and a merch store or a clothing line under the rise above movement. It, it, just to clarify that, is that right? Yeah, basically the rise above movement um, has kind of been rebranded, at least in name as will to rise. Mm. And then there's a media branch called media to rise. I get it. Okay. They still they still call it the Rise Above movement sometimes, but um, a lot of the propaganda has will to rise in it now. Okay, um, I just want to read a couple points that are are um, from our our prior points here. Um, on locals, we've we've got some excellent discussion going on. Vilma says, "I'm a refugee, and I have a problem with open borders. Most immigrants are against illegal aliens coming into the U.S. They overwhelmingly hurt us, blacks, and lower-income whites." Rebecca says, "White Lives Matter is classic shit-stirring to get some poor fool to do a physically harmful act against others." In quotes, um, I've seen it over and over again in the motorcycle world. Um, I, I'm curious, do you know anything about the motorcycle world? No, but it might be my next project. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to talk with Rebecca about that. That's very okay. interesting. Um, and then I think this, this, uh, yeah. Uh, and then Vilma follows up on the opposite end. We have Robert Pape, Robert Pape, Pape slash C-P-O-S-T, A-D-L, Ruth, Ben, Giat, and others who stoke hate against white Christian men. White Christian nationalism is another BS hate movement being pushed by white elitists. I have a database on these topics. Follow the money who's dividing us and why. And yeah, that latter bit basically is, is what I've come to as well. But what you get to is there is a unifying thing. Perhaps we've even identified. Perhaps you have shown uh, a particular leader that unifies all these groups. And was that uh, uh, one Robert Rundo? Yeah, so Robert Rundo... I don't know if I would say he unifies these groups um, because Patriot Front has their own leader um, and it's like its own whole culture. And the White Lives Matter people are anonymous, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, so but but Paul Rundo, I mean, Robert, Rob Rundo, Robert Paul Rundo he, so he started Patriot Front, I mean, uh, RAM, it was initially called the DIY movement. And this is in California, um, over the course of 2016, 2017, they, uh, cultivate the culture of their group. I don't know, and don't have an assessment on how authentic this, uh, group was at the time and can give some examples of the uh, stuff that they got into during that time. But just to give a brief overview, um, this led to the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville 
in 2018 that involved a couple RAM members um, and Patriot Front was born following right on the heels of Unite the Right. So there's just a bit of a timeline there. So Rise Above Movement exists already. Patriot Front comes into the picture. White Lives Matter is launched like a year and a half ago, basically. Um, and so they do have some separateness, but then they clearly have some elements that are interconnected and collaborative. Uh, and in assessing in particular the the media, the social media, the propaganda, this is really what I tried to point out in my article is that though they all have, all three of these groups have a different aesthetic that they're utilizing. Um, they, they use exactly the same tactics, exactly the same phraseology. Um, they're, they're collaboratively managed and they have the same goal in mind, which is to recruit members, cultivate this activity and yeah, like the one person said in the comment, like probably entrap the disillusioned, listless young white male who doesn't have community and set him up to do something that furthers the domestic ter terrorist agenda. And that's the whole point, in, in my opinion. That's the point of the entire article is like setting this all up because it's, it's a gold mine in the sense of the bigger agenda when you look at it in context with everything else. So then the, so the piece goes into the particular aesthetic of Patriot Front, a little bit about how, so they sticker, they do banner drops um, and all of that. They also, these groups are into training and physique and boxing and MMA, mixed martial arts. Um, and so a lot of Patriot Front propaganda is them like sparring out in the wilds. And, and then they do this like particularly staged theatrical rally thing yeah. that the meet that just like the internet like breaks every time this happens, you know, <laughs> people, um, the media loves it. And Rob Rundo's group um, is a little bit more like not so much the mature, disciplined white nationalist vibe that you get from Patriot Front, but a little bit more the like young street thuggy uh, <laughs> white nationalist culture. Their one of their favorite slogans is cultured thug, right? And so this this picture of like the um sun and rad black sun tattooed guy with a you know skull mask but reading like german enlightenment thinkers or Us. whatever you yes. know um it's it's this marriage of uh a, another slogan that they like is um bad bad boys good habits i think something like that Hmm. Yeah, this is a little uncomfortable because within there are a number of things that you would describe as healthy or not bad, like 
being, you know, a, a young man developing good habits, uh, you know, in a family context or in a physical well-being context. Um, it almost like I, I'm not I, I don't want to come across the wrong way, but that last sentence made me think of the kind of stuff Jordan Peterson uh, advocates, like the the setting of good habits, making your bed in the morning. And it seems dumb that these things would then be it seems weird. I'm not saying Jordan Peterson is advocating white supremacist stuff. I'm saying it's odd the choice to associate. I don't know. I, I, I guess it depends on if one believes this is in, you know, manufactured choices for a strategy uh, or if it is, you know, simply just um, the fact that you have mutual interests among groups of all kinds. You know, bodybuilders uh, aren't all white supremacists, but white supremacists can be avid bodybuilders. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... It's interesting because it points out very clearly what is lacking, right? So when within our not very healthy society at all, we don't promote good hygiene values, um, meaningful culture. I mean, there is obviously an intense crisis of identity taking place. How much of that is due to what is the more complex question to ask. But it only makes sense that with like a complete deterioration as a nation uh, of a sense of <laughs> self uh, identity as a nation, you will see symptoms um, like what we're seeing. We don't have the capacity to approach the difficult questions within this theme, in my opinion, whatsoever in a productive way. We don't know how to ask the meaningful questions about empowerment, about power, about identity, about how to uh, support or heal or what's, what's moral, um, how to cultivate meaningful culture and not alienate people and not use race to further an agenda that doesn't care what color what person is within the dynamic, they're just going to extract the part of it that they can use to further the agenda, which involves less freedom for everybody. Um, but I think in this particular case, the, the part worth pointing out is the thug, because these guys would train and maybe they're actually reading German Enlightenment. I don't know, but um, they certainly want you to think that they are. But they would train and then they would go to uh, pro-Trump rallies and, you know, for the purposes of fighting uh, with counter-protesters. And so they were, there were like a number of instances of really intense, pretty intense, uh, violent clashes between, you know, one side or the other. And I'm sure that the other side was equally violent and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but the point is if, so Rob Rundo and his colleagues went on to uh, get indicted and in some cases charged, and I can be a little more specific about that in a moment, for conspiracy to riot because they weren't just at these events and something broke out and there was a melee and they got involved. They were, they were, uh, the case was made by the FBI that they were premeditatively training to go to events to be violent. 
Um, so I think that's the marriage of the lack of culture in our society, um, especially for certain demographics, the pressure uh, in, from certain places that's really intense on the uh, patriot, the young white Christian male, um, that 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 the, the, what's lacking there is being married together with violence. And that's the thing that matters to to pay attention to because we don't need to we don't need to allow ourselves to get radicalized in order to do something about it. But the lack of knowing how to do something about it is the, is the thing we need to focus on more. Yeah, I completely agree. And just just to relate that, you have in Canada, and I think in the States as well, the word freedom is being described in, in propagandistic pieces. If it lasts like two and a half years, really, ever, ever basically starting probably in around 2021 at the beginning of, of that year, the word freedom is now openly being described as a extremist dog whistle. This is terrible. This is crazy. And and it is it is crazy and it's it's on its and by the way like the the you don't have to go very far to to see that as itself sort of a racist uh uh it, it's so stupid it doesn't even it, it doesn't even deserve too much attention other than to say what's the result you have the freedom convoy in Canada where there's this narrative painted about them that it's going to be the next January 6th and it's good. It's mostly white supremacist, racist, misogynistic. And of course, none of that was true. It was never true. There was zero, zero such, uh, such attitudes. Um, uh, I, I think, I think it's zero to be clear. The incidents that occurred during that particular, uh, 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 uh protest, um, uh, where there was a Nazi flag or a Confederate flag were, I think, pretty quickly uh, found to be artificial and not uh, actually from the group. The point is, mm -hmm. now you have a story and combine that with the result of the, the commissioner's report where he found that the Emergencies Act was just whatever the nuances of what he found was. The, the story is now that the Freedom Convoy and that anybody, therefore, associated with being anti the things they were anti is now potentially a domestic terrorist. Um, and so you have people who do have some of the values you're describing, you know, the people who are focused on hygiene and staying physically healthy and um, maybe are Christian, maybe happen to be white. But in a large a large proportion of the time, aren't necessarily even white or male. Um, but now they're all associated, as you say, lumped together in the group with violent, potentially uh, extremists. And I can see really clearly how that would be an intentional move because that has happened throughout history. That was the co-intel pro uh, uh, operation or um, program within the FBI uh, in which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not terribly well read on this, but movements like the Black Panthers like civil rights movements in the way we think of civil rights movements from the 60s, uh, infiltrated, had members actually murdered um, and described and, and looked back on in history as being extremist movements when I'm not sure they actually were. Uh, I'd have to read more and maybe you have perspective on that. 
The point is, there is a legacy of this kind of thing happening where for some reason, authorities will infiltrate genuine movements or create from whole cloth movements that don't actually have much of a base at all for the purpose of either quashing dissent or maneuvering them into something worse. What's your, what's your, your perspective on that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so there's also, there's also accelerating and amplifying um, certain beliefs uh, in the hopes of cultivating a movement or taking like a budding movement and uh, accelerating it or amplifying it. So I'll give you an example because I do try to apply the same questions and explorations across the board of these divisive issues. Good, good. And uh, really try to stay objective and look at both sides. Um, and the Antifa uh, movement, <laughs> as it's often referred to, I use the term right watch uh, to the right watch movement to umbrella that whole culture within which you have the anti-fascist movement as it's thought of mo most often expressed in the streets and stuff like that. So back in like the 90s and early 2000s, you had from the left, you had an anti-globalist movement, actually. They were the anti-globalists back then. And there were these massive anti-war, anti-globalists. There were these massive, massive protests uh, against the, the WTO, for example, the World Trade uh, organization and the globalizing of the economy and what that was going to mean for uh, certain, uh, for everyone, really. You had people come up from South and Central America, indigenous communities to attend these like massive, massive rallies. <clears throat> and the anti-war movement uh, during the Iraq and Middle East wars was also primarily led by the left. At these events, you had this tiny, tiny fraction of people who I self-identified as black bloc anarchists that would were like punkers and they'd show up and they'd try to wreck stuff or they would wreck stuff. Um, and usually it was buildings because they were like anti- corporate global takeover of the world right and so and the government and the mili the militarizing to be specific at the time the militarizing of the police yeah which if you're in the streets and this is part of what you do is like oh protest all the time that's a real experience i mean you guys experienced it hardcore in canada right so that's that's a part of the Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter conversation that's now totally left out. Yeah. Um, and the I can just tell you for certain that this tiny, 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 tiny fraction of the movement at the time did not organically become Antifa as it is known today. Mm. And there is, and I, I specifically follow and research, I do a lot of January 6th, related research 
Um, and so I follow the sedition hunter movement. And if people don't know what that is, uh, right on the heels of January 6th, the FBI put out a call to the American people to help the agency identify people who were at January 6th, which I felt like I got punched in the stomach when I read that. That was a really, really intense um, moment for me. And so what happened was um, a movement sprung up, which has led to the largest manhunt in the history of this country. On average, basically one person a day is still arrested, where uh, all these people, they call themselves the sedition hunters, sift through thousands of hours of footage and photographs and work collaboratively to ID anyone that they can. And they know an immense amount about the timeline. They're the ones who created the ha hashtag names for the individuals if they don't have them ID'd. And they um, tag the FBI in their posts. They're openly helping the FBI. Now, some of these people, it's been made clear from documentation from some of the trials are in fact intelligence agents. Now, some of these people, I believe, are people who believe that they're doing good work and sure. they're rooting out racist white supremacists who deserve to be rooted out. But the reality is that the black bloc anarchists of yore would never, ever do anything that involved collaboration with the FBI. Yeah. So you have an anti-government movement that's been turned into the movement that's policing part of the population for the government. And it's the same, same thing as the mask Nazis pushing the masking. So somehow this, this part of the political spectrum transformed over time into the one that's protecting and actually enforcing these policies on the public for the government. Mm. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm running away a little bit with that, but I just think with, within the question of like infiltrating a movement and taking it somewhere, there's this much bigger, uh, if you step back and you look at these things over time, because Again, with uh, with the extreme left, I'll call it, they just slapped domestic terrorist charges on a number of people uh, related to the cop city situation that's happening in South Atlanta, where there's a proposed 350-acre uh, cop training center that is going to be built. The city taxpayer funded money, like bad corporate interests are in there. And they're like building a town, uh, you know, like a town to train within. And <clears throat> I don't know that much about this situation, but I think anything like this is interesting. So I followed it a little bit and you have kind of a classic direct action situation happening where you have environmental groups also involved because they want to protect this forest that is the proposed site. And uh, locals, a lot of the locals in these um, lower income neighborhoods that are near this location also don't want this 
thing to be built there. And I can tell you that there's a really good chance that this is like next level fusion center activity between the police department, Department of Homeland Security training and intelligence agencies. And so you have all these people that have all this information about this proposed thing. You have some folks that are like pretty radical and do this direct action stuff. So they go and they, they trace it. And I don't know that much about this story. There were like vehicles burned and things set on fire and Molotov cocktails, probably at one point, like the kind of classic tactics of the extreme left, uh, which involve violence. And there was an altercation with the police. One activist was actually shot and killed. Um, and in there's been a number of sweeps uh, because people have like gone and re-inhabited the forest a number of times. And in the first one, six people were detained and all six are facing domestic terrorism charges. And they're all between the ages of 20 and 22. So the, the, the powers behind the agenda um, to bring about the immense amount of control that seems to be wanted with regards to the domestic terrorist agenda do not care if yeah. you're part of the side that is helping the FBI right now. Your colleagues are over here tagging the fascists, supposed fascists from January 6th or not. They're just going to leverage whatever opportunity is presented to them in order to further the agenda. And so I saw that cop city situation curated for the two separate demographics basically that exist in this country into extremely different ways. And when I went into the, um, you know, like the Twitter accounts for, there's one called like defend Atlanta forest, for example. And if you go in there and you kind of follow, um, you see pictures of like community members, like old people, kind of people look like hippies and like a lot of normal looking people, all come together for this like festival to save the forest and they have this little march and whatever. Um, definitely a lot of like hardcore black advocacy organizations involved in that. And, you know, and then the cops come in and like arrest a ton of people and a ton of those people are facing domestic terrorist charges. But over in the right wing media spaces, the cop city is called a public service center. And this um, image was like an aerial shot, um, but they, they, they did like a night vision filter of this march of people going towards the forest was circulated in all these right-wing spaces with the comment like army of Antifa, you know, yeah. descending on the da-da-da-da. So like that's the thing that matters because if we keep fighting with each other like this and allowing... The, the curated information to further convince us that our enemy is our neighbor, then the domestic terrorist agenda, which is the real problem here, is going to plow its way through. Well, you know, this is very interesting. I've, uh, so I, I grew up liberal. I live in Vancouver. It's, it, it's like, it's like LA. Um, 
it's it's genuinely multicultural. I have never grown up thinking any particular like I I've never understood racism as a premise. Um, I I look white. I don't identify as well. I I think the entire premise is stupid. Um, and I now understand that it it is now my theory that uh this notion that there is a left and a right, and sure there's some intermingling between, but those are the weirdos. That there's a you're either on this side or that side, and and you have issues. So you have environmental issues, you have economic issues, uh, you know, welfare type issues, um, and you get if you're on this side, you then by default increasingly have only one stance on each of these things. So you get put into a box, or either in this box or that box, and so it's been interesting because I went from um, Coming into this COVID era, I came in thinking that Donald Trump was evil. I came in thinking that everybody, more importantly, everybody who voted for him was either dumb as heck, um, racist, uh, or, or uh, probably just naive. How condescending of me. Um, or, or themselves bad people. Then the COVID era has allowed me to actually engage with people who have who who at the time had different views than I might have had, and I realized how fooled I was. Not that everybody is someone I agree with, or that we're we're always going to have common ground on every single issue. And in fact, that's the point. Um, but I started to notice that yes, indeed, there does seem to be this artificial thing. And then you start to think about issues like climate change, and you realize, well, hold on a second. How can such a complex issue as that, whatever it is that that phrase means, but everyone agrees, whatever it is supposed to be talking about is so complex. How could it be dumbed down to climate change exists, climate change doesn't exist? Okay, point being, everyone agrees you shouldn't litter, basically. <laughs> like, let's start with the common ground there. Yet it's not described that way. You're either this or that. You're either pro-science or anti-science. You're either pro, uh, pro-diversity or anti-diversity. These are made-up concepts. I don't, I don't think pro-diversity or anti-diversity are even... I don't, I don't think those are a thing. I think these are entirely manufactured in the way that they're presented now. Or at least, if you don't want to say manufactured, we've at least fallen into this system. But my point is what I'm getting to. I found myself more so agreeing with people who tended to be on the Republican side, Trump side. It just it just happened to work out that way for a little bit. And you, <laughs> you start to also find I found myself in uh, spaces like BitChute or uh, Rumble, Odyssey, um, these alternative platforms, which turns out had a lot of people who happen to be Trump supporters in large part because they had been kicked off uh, places like Twitter and Facebook. So you start to uh, to hear other perspectives and it seems clear there's a dominant liberal force right now on all these issues. So then it becomes combating that, even if you don't necessarily agree with the notion that it's a liberal force, but you have power structures that identify as liberal. For example, you have a democratic president of the United States. We have a tremendously so-called liberal prime minister up here and a very liberal coalition government with the NDP. So um, you then get into, well, we have to, we have to ideally in the political context, have someone elected that will defeat them. So now you have a movement of people over to Pierre Polyev, 
here in Canada and the Conservative Party of Canada. But then you also have this movement of cultural ideas. And now we're flipping back around where now we're having people who were very pro, you know, medical freedom or um, self-determination, religious freedom, even if it's the freedom to have no religion, all of these things, who are now responding to like this example you just gave is a fantastic one where you have people who are now turning this January 6th wasn't an insurrection thing around and saying, but this was, or this is something where there are, you know, people who are just going there. Like the only story I heard from this was Antifa coming to burn it down. I knew, I knew nothing more about this and I still need to learn more, but you have two other situations recently, re very related. I believe it was in Tennessee. There was a, some kind of protest event, um, which was also described as uh, an insurrection a la January 6th, when in reality, uh, I don't know all the details, but it most certainly was not the same thing. And uh, neither one of them were insurrections. And it was in response to a tremendously unfortunate and, and very bad situation of a school shooting. And the, as far as I understand, the person is transgender, which to me is irrelevant. Um, but the result is you now have, whether they're real people or not, you have commentators on the right arguing against the Second Amendment in this situation. Mm. So you see a flip-flopping and you see almost like the, the taking of people, and there's a much longer, more nuanced discussion to be had on the, the trans uh, culture uh, issues and as they affect children. I get it. That's for another day. But I just see this continuum that swings back and forth. And it's sort of, it's not, it's sort of warping into like taking people perhaps like, like me, not me, but people like me who are engaged now, maybe who weren't before and are trying to do something, you know, and aiming them, like taking them off target almost. Um, I don't know. That was a bit of a, I just wanted to relate a little bit to what I think you just articulated with this whole situation here with cop city. It feels like you're right. It feels like there's this bigger progression of, um, of radicalizing people always against each other in the end. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Radicalizing people against each other. Um, the theme of actually using the word neighbor is kind of interesting, you know, convincing people that like within their own town could be the person who lives next door, yeah. could be a family member, you know, like this, the, the uh, terrorist that lived outside of the country of the past now could be your sibling, right? That, that like bringing it home <laughs> that far to put everyone on edge and, um, coupled with the inability to actually extract out of any of the politically divisive hot button issues, the deeper moral question that the disagreement is, is raising actually. So like with environmentalism, I would say the question, the question that we could ask is, do we need to somehow fix or adjust or cultivate a different relationship to nature period. And like, yeah. just kind of start there. Um, you know, like how are we treating each other or mistreating each other 
Uh, how are we judging each other? How are we acting upon or not upon those judgments? How much does the does the past matter? You know, but yeah. just the, the quality of the values, because what's happening, I call it militarizing morality. Um, where you get, it goes so extreme, you get like the cancel culture mob. Um, and that is not in any way, in my opinion, connected to anything moral any longer. So there needs to be like a sensitivity for the quality of it, not just the concept of it. Like that doesn't feel right. You know, that's not actually productive. It's not going to move us forward. So I just think like all of those, it's a combination of um, our weaknesses in that regard and our inability to, to dialogue. That's getting so extreme. It's unpopular. It's extremely unpopular to um, be saying the things that I'm saying. Both camps are like, what? Get yeah. over here. You're not allowed to like have uh, be objective. And you're not allowed to facilitate a conversation between two different perspectives, um, mediation, like forget about it, Re resolutions, forget about it. We're not trying to resolve anything like this is full on war. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that's so concerning because we're doing it to each other and that's distracting us from the fact that that makes us vulnerable for the, <laughs> the establishment to come in and just kind of uh, make the final move, I guess you could say in certain ways. Yeah. Well, okay. So I am conscious of your time and, um, I, I want to, uh, there's a couple final points that I think are really interesting as to the content of your article and where this has led. So I, I do think, and also speaking of using kind of any crisis or any hot button topic to make things, you know, tied together, you have this very relevant, uh, situation militarily between Russia and Ukraine, which have geopolitical implications for the entire planet as we've lived collectively for the last year. Um, now there's disagreement as to what those are, and that is excellent. Um, but Ukraine has been uh, this tremendously interesting unraveling onion uh, over the last year or so. And I would love if you could uh, now take us through the relationship between everything we've talked about, uh, specifically the subjects of your article and Ukraine, uh, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So in, uh, gosh, I want to say February, 2022, little over a year ago, um, there was an FBI affidavit that was made public. And this, uh, affidavit was used in the uh, indictment against Robert Rundo. So Robert and his RAM members in two separate trials have been indicted for violence and conspiracy to riot. Uh, Robert Rundo and a number of others related to events in California. But then this other group related to violence at Unite the Right. And the part of the BBC article that is inaccurate is they claim that Rundo was present at Unite the Right and he wasn't. He wasn't there. It was other RAM members. Um, but we'll get to the article because that's sort of chronologically later. I yeah. So the, so the RAM members who were present at Unite the Right are charged. Three out of four of them serve time. Um, the 
the uh, case that involved Rondo um, was dismissed. Let me see if I can get this timeline right. It's really tricky. Is It was dismissed. And uh, well, first he's indicted and he flees the country and he goes down to El Salvador where he's apprehended and he's brought back. Okay, so that that matters in relationship to future information. He's brought back. He goes to trial and his in 2019, maybe. um, And then it's dismissed that year in 2019 because the judge determines that the use of the um, interpretation of the law is overbroad. Right. Okay. So it, so it all boils down to like, were they premeditatively planning to go riot or weren't they kind of, and so it's dismissed even though the prosecution announces immediately that they're going to appeal and they file a motion to appeal, Rondo flees the country again. Now back to the time he fled and went to El Salvador, he first tried to go to Europe and he flew to London, but he was on a no fly list. So they sent him back and then he crossed, he apparently crossed the border on foot um, the Mexican border and went South. So we know that he was findable. We know that he was on a no fly list. We know that his prosecution in 2019 appealed immediately. We know that, um, there's a statement in the article from like FBI or someone, he was a, he was a considered a high risk, a uh, flight risk, and um, uh, like a national security threat. And yet he somehow manages to get out of the country and this time go to Eastern Europe where he lands in Serbia. Now, so in February of 2022, this FBI affidavit is made public that described this FBI agent's documentation over the course of 20. 17, basically monitoring Robert Rundo and his fellow RAM members. And the part of the affidavit that was so explosive, and this was covered by a number of media outlets, so anyone can look this up, is that the FBI agent details that Robert Rundo had traveled to uh, Ukraine. He had traveled with a couple fellow RAM members to Europe, to a couple different countries, but he wound up in Ukraine and he uh, spent time with uh, Olana Salmanyanka, who was the head of the uh, National Corps, which is like the political wing of the Azov Battalion. And he, you know, so it was reported on, like he trained with the Azov Battalion Um, I've seen photographs of him at the, oh gosh, what is it called? It's a boxing arena in Kiev, uh, where he was in a MMA competition, mixed martial arts competition, but they're just boxing. I don't know. And there's a couple other notable high profile individuals 
who are present and part of the story. So the reason why this matters, and this was also included in a number of the articles that were written about this affidavit and this information that came out, is because uh, of the CIA and other NATO intelligence uh, uh, aspects involvement in coming in and basically just gutting Ukraine, unfortunately, and uh, training, doing doing this intensive paramilitary training, and you have Azov Battalion um, in its in its current form, which they've had a, a terribly terribly difficult time. They being the media and NATO and anyone pushing the acceptable narrative of covering up the consistent exposure of white nationalists tattoos, patches, propaganda, all this kind of stuff. Now, I don't actually like to use the word Nazi because I don't know what that means actually in relationship to the current iteration of nationalism in Ukraine, for example. How much of that is organic? I don't know. I think that um, in those Eastern European countries, if I'm an intelligence agency and I want to train extremist uh, paramilitary groups, I'm going to take that angle because there is something culturally uh, uh, amplifiable about nationalism in that region of the world. So that, whereas like in the Middle East, you would do uh, religious radicalization, for example. So... If that makes sense to me. So he winds up, so little Robert Rundo winds up over there, like canoodling with, uh, you know, the military, paramilitary, high level um, individuals who are working in tandem with or have handed themselves over to, in a certain sense, the uh, intelligence apparatus to train them. And so some of these articles are like, okay, well, if Robert Rundo went and trained with Azov Battalion, which was in turn trained by the CIA, like, couldn't you say the CIA is at least in part responsible for some of his activity? Because uh, Salman Yanka even says, I think it's quoted in my article, she says, like, he came to learn our ways and was excited to return to America to like inject them into his initiatives or whatever, something like that. So yeah, is, is Ram um, and these related groups, are they like blowback, which is the term for when the CIA like by an accident causes these kinds of situations, or is there something more going on? So the term is moderate rebels, which then become ISIS. <laughs> exactly. Right. So yes. he, um, so that, yeah. So the FBI affidavit documented 2017. That's quite a long time ago. He's indicted in uh, 2018. He tries to flee. He's in, in court, in trial 2019. It gets dismissed. And then he leaves the country. So right before COVID. March 2020. Yeah. Timeline. And, um, and he goes to apparently Serbia and he travels around a number of different countries there. 
And, you know, the, in the media, there's this mixture of kind of contradictory parts to the story where he's um, a fugitive, um, he's being hunted, he's definitely a national security threat for any country he's in, um, Bellingcat, which is basically the CIA and everything but name, um, it, it's funded by the Atlantic Council and pushes um, the NATO agenda, um, took an interest in, in monitoring and trying to track Rundo down and published a series of pieces in their Where's Rundo series where they... <laughs> Where and they associated books, <laughs> right? Where they do these like um, cat and mouse, like fun, like cat and mouse, like gotcha pieces, where they're like, he posted a picture to his clothing brand line, and we geolocated him just based on this tiny spot of paint on the wall behind him. Blah blah blah. So they're like chasing him all the time and trying to figure out where he is. But I was in all of the RAM related social media down to his private channel mm. and when in those spaces it didn't look like he was on the lamb whatsoever it just did it looked like if you were over there and you were trying to track him down it just wouldn't be that hard he was like hanging out in cafes going to boxing rings or whatever and the timeline between the way that the media reports, especially Bellingcat, ID'd him in different places was actually contradicted by content he put in his own chats. Now, I don't know which one is true, but I can tell you that it's notable that they don't even mention that content. So they create a timeline for the reader that contradicts the timeline he himself is like sharing media content out of. And so it started to look like, and I'll just give you one last example. Bellingcat journalists claimed at one point to send one of their journalists to try to geolocate Rundo to like a town square. And while this uh, journalist was there in the town square, they heard his voice behind them and they turned around and they saw Robert Rundo doing push-ups on the second story veranda of an apartment building. And like, why wasn't he arrested then? They don't even yeah. like follow that up with, and we immediately called the authorities and they take credit for him getting kicked out of uh, Serbia, even though that's not confirmed and all these other things. So it really looks like he wanders across borders the intelligence uh, in Bosnia um, like knew who he was, but didn't try to apprehend him. And so I made, I made the case in my article that he was, um, there wasn't an interest actually in trying to apprehend him because he doesn't look like a threat. You know, he's really not that big of a threat. Um, but the counter extremism project, which is like this global ter domestic terrorist agenda, you know, agency born out of the UN Council for Foreign Relations, some of the most powerful dark individuals on the planet 
ID Robert Rundo as the fourth most dangerous person in the world. And the only three more dangerous people in the world are like, uh, you know, like head of Hamas and the like Quds force in Iran and like, like, le like legit military backed state yeah. powers. And here's this guy like traipsing around pushing his brand. He doesn't even have that many followers and he's listed at number four and they, and no one can apprehend him. And that's weird. And, and then five days after I published my article, after three years, he was arrested, which is and, just cool. Uh, yeah. Shocking. And so this happened so fast. I didn't even catch on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as you sent me your article then you sent me, Rundo was arrested. I wasn't yeah. even processing what any of that yeah. meant. Uh, so that's how quick, and, and you know, th that, that's how quick this, this happened. And this was five days ago that the BBC published this. Yeah. So what happened? Why, what, he, was, he was finally arrested in Romania. Yeah. Uh, on what grounds? What, what, what did they, what was, what's the story here? Right. So um, it is because he's a fugitive. It is because he's wanted in the United States and he's considered fleeing these charges. Um, the part that I can't say I know is whether or not there was a directive given to go after him that wasn't there before. Like if there was just a reason, you know, for example, they uh, created or um, updated the indictment. Let's put it that way. In January of this year, there could have been uh, an earnest, you know, elevating of his status or something like that that went along with that. So it still doesn't resolve many contradictions in the story because. He was described as wanted, a fugitive, had this supposed excellent journalist team hunting him down literally to his doorstep over and over and over again. And um, so I don't know. But yeah, he's uh, he was there was a tip. The story is there was a tip at a local gym and the Romanian kind of there was a Romanian special task force that came in and arrested him. I've seen footage of the arrest. It's all very spectacle-like. And he's being extradited to the United States to uh, face his charges. What Do you think you caused this? Um, I don't have any idea. I, I will say that I... Um, my piece does not have a lot of views. I don't have a broad reach in that sense. But I do think that of the amount of people who have read this piece, there are very likely a number of people who are monitoring my work and who, sure. and me at this point. Um, and so, and additionally, I do have to say that the, there is a pattern of coincidences like this. Um, related to other times my work got disseminated in some way out there in the world where it then led to uh, a result 
where the timing was really suspicious and it really seemed um, connected to, I mean, I have a whole list of like terms I use that are lower level consequences for my work getting out. One is like the reconnoiter when like the bad guys are like, oh shit, we've been exposed. And they go quiet for three days and they just have to like regroup and yes. come up with, you know, like that's uh, an experience I've had a number of times, but I've also seen some larger structures collapse or break down or go away. Um, yeah. Within like 24 hours to a few days. So I can't, I'm not going to take credit. The timing is um, pretty crazy though. Well, my, what well, I think I said this to you on the phone yesterday. Um, so, you know, if, if it doesn't need to be even as direct as your article caused this, what I think is probably true. And, and you are a trailblazer on this. So this, this may be not entirely true, but the idea that your work represents a larger expansion of awareness among the, the population. And certainly your article then contributes to that accelerating, um, li likely to an even higher degree than you are aware of based on the stats that Substack gives you, you know, uh, the, the analytics. Um, but I, I think in general, like you and I are avatars of like, we're just people as part of larger, you know, society. And if we're paying attention, others are too. And mm -hmm. Others likely aren't publishing in the same way that you are. No one else put this article together. You did. It took you a year to put together? A long time. A yeah. long time. <laughs> Not everybody even has the ability to spend that much time, even if they wanted to, even if they have an even better understanding, which would be highly unlikely. So I, I suppose, and let me know if, if, you, if you agree with, with this theory that you and I uh, and anybody else, the more we engage and... Uh, spread awareness but even then that implies we're necessarily correct and that's not even the point the point is more simply discussing issues that largely are apparently not supposed to be discussed or at least supposed to be discussed in very controlled ways you know as you said the acceptable narrative um could it be that simply by continuing to hold spaces like this, either, you know, discussion format like this or the publication of excellent, well-researched, well-documented articles like yours, are we, are we simply contributing to the larger societal uh, push in the right direction, hopefully the right direction? Um, it could, even in the absence of your article being the specific straw, it, it, could that be the case? That our work is meaningful and productive i guess that's a better way of summing it up <laughs> forward out of this mess i mean you know i hope just do what's put before you to do you know i i hope that's my hope and i uh in this particular case in this particular story just to bring it back to chatham you know, you could say, like, I wrote this article for the locals that exist in their various places all over the country um, with the hope that people don't fall for it. You know, I mean, that's the whole point. The whole point is, like, don't believe these guys. Don't go in and get involved in these groups. Don't think, like, because you need brotherhood 
and culture and community, it's then also okay to like slowly accept like real racist thinking. And, um, and that these groups, as far as I'm concerned, are by design there to push the narrative, push the division and entrap people. And they do that on both sides. But in this particular case, I don't want to see my people get sucked into this crap. And I don't want these jerks who think this stuff up and think it's okay to like disseminate these operations into small towns across America to get away with it any longer. So anyways, that's um, just trying to like expose what I think's going on out of a gesture of protection. I think that's the most important part. And the starting at the bottom and going like at the local level is where things are actually, that's where things actually happen. The, the big narratives tend to happen on the country or the state or the, or the, or the global level. But in the end, when it comes to implementing new, you know, sustainable development agendas, that happens at the district, at the city, at the town level. When it comes to people actually going out and protesting, it is the people largely of that area that are engaging. So the fact that you identified real people not that far from you who are going to be affected by this, who have been affected by this, and the fact that you then saw an opportunity to educate uh those people uh, has the opportunity to educate, hopefully, as we've done here, people from all over the world, because um, there are people in the chat who have been responding, you know, from North Carolina, for example, saying, interesting, I'm going to go and look into that North Carolina chapter, see what I can find there. You know, we've talked about the Canadian and the Ukrainian and the, the European uh, aspects of this. Um, and it's like we said before, it's it's there are specific people of interest. But in the end, it's more the process and the tactics and the patterns that we can identify and then kind of not be, as you say, sucked into, fooled by in any context, whatever the next hot button issue is. Am I right about that? Sounds sounds correct to me. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Kristen, so much for spending this much time with us. We had said we might try an hour and look at that. We're coming up on two. And I think that's because uh, this has been uh, just tremendously interesting stuff. And you are a fantastic presenter. And somebody in the chat, Monkey King 1981 said, wow, she is an encyclopedia. I agree. You are an encyclopedia. And that's much nice. more. Um, you know, and there were a couple of things I wanted to bring up and that others in the chat have brought up that that uh, we didn't have the chance to. So if you're open to it, I'd love to have you back for um, for a follow up discussion, either on this or on whatever the next step in the investigative process is. Um, so on that, is there anything uh, you want to leave people with? What are the next steps for you? Yeah, I, I guess I, I do want to just say something about January 6th real quick in relationship to all of this, um, because that's a focal point clearly around control and the political division and persecution. Um, there's hundreds and hundreds of individuals that have been locked up for over 750 days Um mostly in solitary confinement, who did absolutely nothing um, 
violent or, you know, in the spirit of um, destruction. And, you know, a political prisoner is a political prisoner at the end of the day. And so there is, there's like some real dark stuff going on around that particular group of people. Um, And I think that that has a lot to do with the broader story as it unfolds. Were it a different demographic in a different time, in a different context, I would care equally as much. So it's, it's the human element and the human story and the related political and identity stuff matters as a, a student of life doing research and trying to understand what's going on. But um, it's shocking to me that so much injustice and suffering can take place in so many different ways and we can be brought to a place where we care about the one but not the other. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to mention them. And I think for me, a next step is probably putting together the research I've done over a couple years now on that story. And I'm happy to come back whenever you want, Liam. Uh, well, amazing. Well, and, um, I would love for when, when you do get that put together, will that likely be published on beyond the maze as well? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's use this as, uh, as an opportunity to remind people beyond the maze.substack.com is where you can find Kristen's work. Everybody, if you have not yet, you should go and uh, read up on uh, there. there are, uh, you know, six to eight articles out so far, maybe. Oh, no, there's more. You've been very busy and they're all worth the read. Um, that's the best place, I assume, to go if you want to be a paid supporter. Um, people can can become paid supporters there. And when this um, this this uh, research on January 6th is put together in a form we can go through, um, I would love to do another episode just like this. Um, and in the meantime, uh, because this, you're correct to throw the red flag of urgency on this as well. So if even before something more substantial comes out, if there are any opportunities for people to go learn more um, or, or potentially if they feel it's correct, support individuals who are in the middle of uh, some of them, some pretty intense and ridiculous legal battles. Um, let don't, don't hesitate to get that to me and I will do what I can to to get that out to people as well. Uh, well I, because I could just mention really quick uh, a couple websites people could go to. Um, and I also, I really encourage people to actually look into some of the personal stories of some of these individuals because I really strongly believe that um, disseminating these stories would help undo all the work that's gone into framing a narrative that is completely off the mark, mostly off the mark, uh, and involves like young people. You know, there's Brent, this guy, Brandon Fellows is in his twenties. He's like, uh, one report said he's, uh, on the spectrum. He's autistic. He like walked into the Capitol. Anyways, I could, I could tell you a lot, but he actually was not, he was not incarcerated initially, but he, um, said something disrespectful to his parole officer. And so they decided to throw him in jail and he was in solitary confinement 
he said he wouldn't negotiate with terrorists because he <laughs> he didn't have because it was COVID. You know, there's like there's meaningful, meaningful stories. So um, one is um, Americans for Justice. I think that's a for J dot org. Uh, the letter A, the number four, the letter J dot org. Um, gosh, what American Gulag is uh, americangulag.com, I believe, is another um, good resource. And there's CAP, there's Citizens Against Political Persecution. Um, yeah, and actually American Gulag, the website somewhere on their lists, all of the different organizations and the various websites that exist for various things. There's like a letters to prisoners program. There's a way you can donate for food because that was one of the ways that they were being mistreated in a number of cases was their food was rotten, uh, that they were being fed. Um, and there's one website listed on American Gulag that is the placeholder for um, letters and stories from the prisoners to reach the public. So it's all just content from the prisoners um, themselves. And there's a spectrum of, you know, people in there and stories and circumstances, but there's definitely a lot of people in there that shouldn't be. And full disclosure, I haven't myself, um, I'm not familiar with these websites. Um, so it, it, just the friendly disclaimer of I'm, I'm very happy to share them. And uh, I am, I, I have no reason to doubt they are not exactly what Kristen is saying. And I hope people will go and explore for themselves. And as Kristen says, the stories of these individual people not the caricatures that many people, including myself at the time, mm -hmm. understood them to be. Um, so let's let's hope uh, others can step up and engage on this as well. And uh, Liam, really quickly, mm. scroll down on the um, right there on the front page of that one. Keep going. Oh, I don't know where it is. Okay, forget it. There's somewhere on this website. There's a map of the United States. And you can click on, um, yeah, arrest map. There you go. You can click on any state to randomly click on a state and see what happens. New York. And then you scroll down and you see all of the individuals that have been arrested from that state. And you can click on them and you can read um, anything. Oh, that's interesting. Guess no one Wyoming. in Wyoming. I guess Wyoming didn't show up. <laughs> or they're really good at not getting ID'd. Um, and you can click on individuals and you can get all of the records related to that person's uh, case and, and trial. Um, anyways, yeah. That's wonderful. Okay, thank you. That's a tremendous resource. Um, okay, well, that's that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Kristen. Um, and uh, once again, just a, just one more plug beyondthemaze.substack.com, everybody. And um, while I have everyone here, I want to also give a specific shout out to roundingtheearth.locals.com, where we have been having a tremendous discussion this entire time. Um, a lot of what we've talked about today revolves around community or how community can be hijacked, manufactured, impacted in various ways. Well, we've got a cool, awesome, smart, healthy community of people who do not agree on everything. And therefore often wind up teaching each other a lot and i am tremendously grateful for it um and so it's also it also happens to be the number one way you can support rounding the earth and support me i'm very lucky 
uh, Matthew Crawford has given me a platform uh, on rounding the earth to have discussions like this one with Kristen. Um, uh, I'm very happily uh, paid to do this job. And um, that's a, a huge, a huge gift that I don't want to go unthanked. Um, and so therefore I want to, uh, as often as I can, uh, as reasonably as I can request that people uh, support rounding the earth, uh, not just to continue my employment, that's not the point, but to continue to support uh, a, a platform started by a gentleman who seems to genuinely care about holding open, honest discussion, particularly with those he may not agree with. And um, uh, the best way to do that, roundingtheearth.local.com. You can become a paid supporter. And by the way, not everyone can, and that's okay because you could also join as a free member and keep up to date with everything we're doing. How was that as a plug? Was that okay? It's excellent. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you to everybody who has been watching on all of our platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be back myself on Friday uh, for an episode of Rounding the News where I'll cover some interesting stuff. And um, there will be a Locals uh, exclusive, super fun, supporters only uh, episode with uh, Matthew and possibly myself tonight. Um, and yeah. Um, any final words, Kristen, before I hit that fun outro song? No, I just, I had a really good time with you. I really like talking to you. It's easy and um, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I appreciate you as well, Kristen. Thank you. And we will talk again very shortly. Okay. Okay.